You know, I've got this thing that I do. I'm not able to sleep sometimes at night, and so I'll just run through different situations in my mind, or I'll just kind of try to think about something. And so one of the things that I'll think about while I'm laying in bed not able to sleep is, what would I do if I had a million dollars? So uh, it, it usually starts like this. So I'll say, okay, well, you know, you got to give some of it away. So you give some of it away. And then you'd be like, oh, there's taxes. All right, half my money's gone. And then you start thinking about a house or a car. And it's like, okay, hold on. Let's start it. Okay, take a deep breath. Be like, my money's all gone. Let, let's try this again. Okay, what do I do if I have $10 million? All right, and then I started going through there. I give a lot of it away, and then we've got uh, taxes. Half of it's gone. Okay, we've got the... And so I started getting frustrated because, like, my dreams started getting, like... I was like, oh, my, my money's disappearing. So now I'm at a place where, like, if I'm not able to sleep and I'm going to do this exercise, $250 million. That's about where I start at, okay? That's where I feel like, you know, I can, I can dream and I can think about it and I don't have to worry about it all disappearing. Uh, and why do we do that? Well, I say me, okay? Why, why do I do that? It's a, it's a deep, dark dive into this uh, kind of messed up brain. Why do I do that? It's because I'm never quite satisfied. I'm never quite content with what I have. And so there's this desire deep down, and I believe in all of us, that drives us for more and more and more. I want to welcome you today. I'm so glad that you're here. My name is Kevin. I'm the campus pastor here at our Coleraine campus. I want to welcome anyone who is watching us online. It's so good to be here today. And we are in this series called Beat the Odds. And in it, we're talking about the fact that the odds are stacked against you. That in life, when it comes to our finances, the truth is the odds are stacked against you. And so I want to share with you just some, some odds that, uh, that may be true for you or someone you know. The odds are that you're living paycheck to paycheck. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody is. It just means that out of everybody in this room, there's probably a large majority of us that just live week by week. Odds are that you've had an argument with your spouse in the last month about money. Now, maybe that's not you, but odds are it's somebody in this room. Odds are you give less than 3% of your income to your local church. And, and I know that for a lot of us, you'd be like, yeah, that's not me. But statistics will tell us that for a large majority of us, that's the truth. Get this. Odds are, this Christmas, you'll spend $1,000 between gifts and food and decorations. And guess what? Almost all of that will go on credit cards. And odds are, your family carries about $16,000 in credit card debt. So in this series, we want to talk about how is it that we can beat these odds? How is it that we can live differently than what the rest of the world is doing? How can we have a biblical perspective of our money, of our finances? Last week, we learned approach one in this series, and that is this. God owns it all, and we manage it. And so the idea is, is that can I get 
a mindset that says, you know what? Everything that I have comes from God. Everything that I own is a blessing from God. It is all his. He owns it. And my job is to manage it and manage it well. So that was what we talked about last week. And this week, we move on to approach number two, and that is this. Focus on what you live for, not what you live on. We are consumers by nature. We have an appetite, and the only thing that our appetite knows is more. It is never quite satisfied. I mean, imagine this with me. Go to your favorite restaurant. Have your favorite meal. One of those meals where you just sit back in the chair after you're done, and it's like, oh, couldn't eat another bite. Fast forward two hours, back at your house. What are you doing? Chances are, if you're like me, you are rummaging through the cabinets and you're looking for something to snack on. Why? We're never truly satisfied. Our hunger, our desire for more, it's never enough. And when it comes to not just food, but when it comes to our finances and when it comes to the stuff that's out there that we all want, it's the same thing. What is it that you would say? You know, any of us have have lived through this scenario where it's like, if I just had this, if I just had that, I mean, if I had a dollar for every time my kid is like, this is the last thing, dad, this one thing, if I can get this one thing, it's, it's never the last thing. There's always another thing. Because our appetite only knows one word, more. And we got to learn how we can break this no matter how much we have, no matter how much we've been given, we always want more. So the apostle Paul from the Bible, he had some young protégés that he would write letters to. And one of those young men was named Timothy. Timothy was ministering to a group of people and uh, Paul was writing him some instructions on just like some basic things that he needed to know. See, Timothy was, was facing a group of people that were false teachers. They were, they were sharing these false narratives. They were, pro, uh, they were promoting a type of the gospel of part of the good news about Jesus, but, but in their version of it, it led to financial success, or that's what they believed. And so in 1 Timothy chapter 6, if you've got your Bible, I want to encourage you to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, we've got some at the hub for you. You can use your Bible app, but in 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul's warning Timothy about all these false teachers. And and this is what Paul says about this group of people. He says, these are people who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. So there's these people that are living during Timothy's day. They're in Timothy's community. And they think that godliness, this idea of following God or, or trying to be like God, is a means to getting rich. You know, the unfortunate thing is that there's still people that believe that today. 
They believe that when God talks about pouring out his blessing on us, that they only see that in terms of financial gain. And while God can bless us financially, and and often he does, it is not the only kind of blessing that God pours out on us. And, And I would say that it's not even the most valuable blessing that God pours out on us. And so Paul is teaching against what this group of people are trying to stand for. So in, in chapter 6, verse 6, Paul addresses it. He says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. Paul says, Look, godliness plus contentment is great gain. I love the way that the New Living Translation says that. He says, In that translation, it says, Yet true godliness with contentment is itself a great wealth. He says, godliness plus contentment equals great gain. That somehow our right behavior coupled with our right attitude is in itself the treasure we seek. It is the prize. It is the gift from God. That behaving the way that God wants us to behave and thinking the way that God wants us to think, that that in and of itself is the prize that we seek. That somehow by attaining contentment, that that's the true prize. Now, godliness is not a word that we use all the time. And if I was going to describe it to you, I would say that it is living a life that reflects the attributes of God. Some words that we might use that would be associated with that would be words like holy or pure or devout. The idea is that we behave in a way that honors God. Now, the other word, contentment, it's something that we're a little bit more familiar with, but it's the state of being happy we're satisfied. And Paul's contrasting these two different lifestyles. He, he describes those who are bitter and who are looking for arguments and who use religion as a means to financial gain. He says, that's, that's on one side. But he says, instead, I want you to live differently. He said, I want you to live so that your godliness, your good behavior, and your contentment, your attitude is your reward. And so this is the instruction that Paul is giving to Timothy. Remember, focus on what you're living for, not what you're living on. That our focus should be that we're living for God. We're trying to live this godly life, have this godly behavior that comes out of us along with a godly mindset of contentment. So Paul continues in verses 7 and 8. He says, For we brought nothing into the world... And we can take nothing out of it. Uh, But if we have food and clothing, we will be content in that. One of the reasons that our finances are a wreck is because we are never truly satisfied. We continue to chase after things. I mean, just think about it. All of us, we want nicer cars. We want bigger houses. We want more land. We want a newer phone. We want more clothes. We want more shoes. I don't know. And and so the thing about like going through a list like that, it's really easy to hear that and think, 
about something on there, and, and you know that there's people that chase after these different things, and you look at it and you say, oh, that's so petty. That's so, uh, that's so frivolous. Can't believe I've had the same phone since 2012, and that's gotten me by just fine. You know what I mean? You can't understand why somebody would spend money on something. But I'll tell you, everybody's got their thing. Your thing may not be that you want a bigger house, or it may not be the nice car. It may not be the phone, but everybody's got something. And so we look at other people, and we judge them for what they spend their money on. But deep down, if we were able to look in the mirror, we've all got the thing that we're chasing after. I mean, retail therapy is a thing. And it's not a thing for everybody, but there's people who are feeling bad and they're feeling down. And you know what's going to make them feel better? Buying something, right? Are you a returner? We got any returners out there? My wife will do this from time to time. She likes to return things. So you go out and you buy something and you realize that you don't need the thing that you bought. It was just the exercise of going out and buying it. And you come home and then you go back and you return it. Because what happens is that we realize that maybe we didn't need it. Maybe it didn't satisfy the thing that we thought it was trying to satisfy. We've got this hole in us or we've got this need. And so we buy stuff sometimes. Maybe you're a collector. You've got to have the latest and greatest of stuff or you're just trying to build a collection of things. You're, you, this one, I'm looking for this one. I'm looking for this one. Maybe you're into technology, and I'll tell you that that's a bad thing to be into. I got drawers full of technology that's useless now. I've got probably 20, this is my phone, I got probably 20 things in a drawer that this phone does now that I needed a separate thing for. I got a GPS in a drawer. I got a video camera in a drawer. I got a digital photo camera in a drawer. Right? You got all this technology that you buy, and as soon as you buy it, it's out of date. But we're just constantly chasing after stuff, right? And so the challenge that we face is to learn to be content. Paul tells Timothy that we brought nothing into the world and we're going to take nothing out. And he reminds us in the end that all the stuff that we amass, it doesn't mean a thing, that we can't take any of it with us. The idea of thinking that the pursuit of things and stuff is going to bring us joy is futile. So he goes on to tell Timothy that if we have food and we have clothing, he says, that if we have our basics covered, if we, got, if we just have the basics in life, that that's going to be enough. In my life, I find that that perspective when it comes to my finances is everything. Perspective is everything. You know, it's easy to live on Facebook and Instagram, and, and those are dangerous places to be because you see what everybody else has, and you compare you see somebody else's house, or you see somebody else's car, you see somebody else's clothes, you see somebody else's life. And you think to yourself, if I just had that, if I have what they, they seem so happy, they look so happy. If I had what they have, I would be satisfied. And it's never enough. We go on social media and we get bombarded with ads. I mean, you just have to say an item's name out loud and you're going to get an ad for it on your phone. Am I right? It's coming. 
And so we just get bombarded with stuff. And we allow that to trickle in and and we buy into the lie that if we had it, we would be happy. And the truth is, it never fully satisfies. The thing that he just mentioned, learning to be content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether having plenty or being in need. He says, I've learned the secret to it. When we're driven by our appetite, driven for more, it leads us to spend more. You know, it costs more money to feed that monster. The more we want, the more we spend. The more we spend, the more we want. You know, it's this ugly cycle and it is never truly satisfied and it leaves us enslaved to our stuff and the pursuit of it. It leaves us in bondage and in debt. And Paul says, I've learned the secret to break that cycle. He says, and it's through the power of Jesus. Last week, we talked about challenging ourselves and some steps in our generosity. And I just want to remind you of some of these steps because these are the kind of things that help us break this bondage that we have between ourselves and our finances. One of the things that we laid out was that maybe you're here and you've never given before. You just have never been a giver in a church. And so one of the steps, one of the first steps is to become a first-time giver. And so maybe there's somebody here watching online or maybe there's somebody that's here in person and you've thought, you know what, I I need to take a step of generosity in becoming a first-time giver. One of the other steps that we talked about was to become a consistent giver. Maybe you've been given, but it hasn't been consistent. It's been irregular. It's just kind of unplanned. Reach in and you grab some money from leftover from the night before and you drop that in. It's not really pre-thought. And so the step is to become a consistent giver. Maybe to become an intentional giver. You think about what you're going to give before you give it. A next step could be that you want to become a tither. A tither is a fancy church word, but it just means the first 10%. And so people wonder, it's like, is tithing still a thing for New Testament churches? And I'll just tell you it is. It's still the, the standard that Jesus uses when he talks about giving. And everything that Jesus does in the New Testament, he always calls us to go to deeper steps of faith. He never asks us to pull back. And so for some people... The next step that you're being called to in your generosity is to step up and say, you know what, I want to be someone who gives my first 10% back to my local church, back to kingdom work. For some people in this room, you know, it's hard to believe sometimes if you're in a spot, but there's people out here who their next step is to become an extravagant giver. We're in a place where you're just trying to be a first-time giver or to become a A consistent giver, it's hard to imagine that there's people out there, but there's people out there that have been blessed so much by God and they have the ability to give even more. And so God sometimes calls us into deeper steps of giving. And so all of these are great steps that that each one of us should be considering on, on how we can take steps to honoring God with our money. 
Because like we said last week, if we realize that it's all from God anyway, that it's all his and we're just managing it, we're just giving it back to him. But we also realize we're living for God. And what we're living on doesn't matter as much. We're we're living for God. And so our relationship with our money has to be challenged sometimes. Because when we're holding on to it so tight and it becomes the thing that's kind of ruling our lives, sometimes we've got to open our hands up, we've got to let it go. Because it's not the most important thing in our life. First Timothy chapter 6 continues Paul's conversation with Timothy. Pick up with me in verse 9. He says, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Paul says, look, this path that you're on, this pursuit of stuff, this pursuit of wealth, he says, it's going to end ugly. It's going to end in destruction. And so Paul's final warning to Timothy is this. Paul says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, he says, eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Paul says, look, you can only have one true love. And it's meant to be our heavenly father, God above. He says, when your love is the love of money, he says, it's going to pull you away from your faith. And this passage of scripture is, is often misquoted. People will say, money is the root of all kinds of evil. That's not what Paul says. He says it's the love of money. He says it's putting money first. It's putting things first. It's putting possessions first. Anything that we put on the throne that sits on our heart, it's called an idol. It means that we worship that thing above our heavenly father. And anything that we put in that place, anything that we put in that seat is destructive. That's what Paul is telling Timothy. Remember our approach number two for today. Focus on what you live for, not what you live on. We're living for God, and he should be first in our life. So Paul ends this conversation that he's having with Timothy And he just laid out all this stuff that he needed to avoid. Avoid this. Stay away from this. This is the dangerous stuff that you don't want to be a part of. And then he ends it with some things that he wants him to know. This is what you should pursue. This is what you should be about. Paul says, I want you to pursue righteousness and godliness and faith and love and endurance and gentleness. He says, this is what I want your life to be about. He goes, I don't want your life to be about this pursuit of wealth, this pursuit of things, this this evil that that you're running down. He says, instead, I want you to be about righteousness and godliness and faith and love and gentleness and endurance. True contentment comes when we realize that our identity is not found in our bank account. It's not found in our checkbook. It's not found in how big our house is or what kind of car we drive. Our identity is known as being a son and daughter of God. 
When we realize that our identity comes first and foremost from our Heavenly Father, then we know who we are. And we're not chasing after anything to validate that. All of us, deep down, we want to be loved and we want to be known. And so we chase after stuff because we think if we got enough stuff, people will like us. If we got enough stuff, people will recognize this. God loves us first and foremost, more than anybody else will. And he knows your name. He knows who you are. He knows everything about you. He loves you so much that he was willing to give his son, sacrifice his son for you. And so we go around chasing after validation, chasing after stuff to give us an identity when we already have one. When we realize that we are loved by God and that he sent his son to die for us, that's all that matters. Maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with God. You've never accepted his son and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And I would love to be able to talk to you more about what that looks like. It's really easy. I mean, you can, you can come. We have these baptism conversations all the time. We do them one-on-one. Sometimes we do them in groups. But you can email me, ksmith at thewcc.com. You can come down front and talk to me after service. I would love to talk to you about what a relationship with Jesus looks like. Because here's the thing, we're, we're chasing all over the world for things to satisfy us. We've got this huge hole in our life and we try to fill it with stuff. It only leaves us wanting more and more and more. We're never truly satisfied. God truly satisfies us. When, when we can rest in knowing that he's with us, that he's for us, what he did for us. So I would love to have a conversation with you about having a relationship with Jesus. Another action step that we want to uh, make available for you is this. It's tough to be generous when our finances are a wreck. It's tough to, to, to live this out when we feel like we've already made so many financial errors in the past. And so what we want to do is we want to help you have a biblical perspective of your money. And so Dave Ramsey puts on a course called uh, Financial Peace University. And so we are offering classes in 2022 starting in mid to late January. And so if you're somebody who would like to kind of get a grip on your finances... You'd like to uh, kind of start over and have a biblical approach to managing your money. And we'd love to come alongside and help you. And so you can go to thewocc.com backslash FPU. And you can register to find out more about when we're going to be offering these classes in January. So it's really simple. Just give us some contact info. Let us know that you'd be interested in taking one of our classes in January And we will be back in touch with you and let you know when and where we're going to offer classes. We're hoping to have a variety of them here at Coleraine, out at our Ross campus. So people that are watching online will be able to join in as well. We just want to make this available for you so that 
we can get a grip and get a grasp on what it is. Like I said, it's, it's hard to be generous when you're in the bondage of debt. And so today our challenge is this. Focus on what you live for and not what you live on. True joy and peace comes not from the stuff that we have. It only comes from a relationship with Jesus. And here's what I want. I want us to be able to find the secret that Paul tapped into, that secret of being content, no matter our circumstances. And we can only do that through the power of Jesus. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the blessings that you poured out on us, God. And I just pray that you'd open our eyes so we could see it. God, help us to put you first. That no other idols would be what we chase after God, but only you. Thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus, to die for us so that we might have life. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.